Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. Um, this week we are here to review a lackluster Belgian GP. Um, I am Tom, your host this week, and I am joined by Stu. Hello. 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 We don't have a Chris, unfortunately, but for Chris's sake, that's possibly for the better. <laughs> yeah, especially looking at these predictions results. I mean, I had the worst week there, but that, oh, that's, you did, jumping yes. way, that's jumping way ahead. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, we'll, we'll save um, that for later. Now, normally with the format of these, we kind of go through the race on a lap-by-lap kind of basis, but honestly, I don't think it really works like that for this race. I think what we will probably have to do is look at it as a talking point basis, so we've kind of gone down that route instead. Yeah, Um, that, and uh, maybe none of us had time to actually (laughs) set up an episode properly this week. Well, that and just that there was there genuinely wasn't that much to to put in there. Like we we normally try and be as positive as possible with uh, with these kind of things, but honestly, there wasn't a huge amount happening through the race. I mean, I built a new PC during the race. That's oh, how captivating nice. it was to me. At least, at least you did. At least you did something productive. You probably you were probably a lot more productive <laughs> than I was <laughs> during the race, and I work for F one, so <laughs> <laughs> that saying something. Um, yeah, so this race essentially leaves Lewis now 47 points clear of Max Verstappen um, in second. And it genuinely looks like even Valtteri Bottas can't stick with Lewis in very similar, if, well, the same machinery. Um, he was a whole half a second down in qualifying and then finished over eight seconds behind him in the race itself. Um <laughs> Is this yeah. just a foregone conclusion now, do we think? Are we at that point now? Uh, I don't think we're quite there yet, because a lot can happen. There's a lot of races left. We're only we're not even halfway through the season, remember. So still plenty can happen. Um I think the lap the pole lap that Hamilton set on Saturday was an absolute barnstormer. Like the when you watch that lap back, that car looks just absolutely perfect around every part of the track. They just got it nailed down so perfectly for him, and um, yeah. obviously he's the guy to get every last tenth out of that car on a on a qualifying day. So he never looked like getting beat Hamilton on, on during qualifying. Um, Bottas obviously does need to do better to. If he's gonna, you know, take a charge of this championship, that goes without saying. But I think on Saturday there was just no beating Hamilton. Yeah. What about come Sunday? Because there was a point where there was a little bit of um, a little bit of confusion, let's say, about what had and hadn't been agreed, wasn't there? Where yeah. essentially Bottas had closed the gap down to almost within a second, and was wanting to use the um, the sort of push to deploy extra power the the overtake button is it to sometimes yeah basically the push to. mode yeah 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 and he wanted to activate that and was essentially told well you can use it once per lap but not against each other which yeah. is what we agreed and bottas promptly responded with well i don't remember that conversation yeah um it was it was at a point where he was obviously very close behind lewis and i mean it could have got him within that second could have got him drs were Mercedes being a little too Hamilton favouritist? Do you think that they maybe should have let Bottas get within that second overtake under DRS and see if he could actually 
like spread his legs spread his legs no (laughs) stretch his legs stretch his legs legs. yeah stretch them (laughs) stretch them not spread them different podcast Um, different podcast um uh, well i can kind of i can forgive mercedes for being a little bit conservative in that regard this weekend because normally they do let them race yeah um i think there's a bit of uncertainty for Mercedes about how this qualifying mode thing is going to play out, regardless of, you know, the bullshiness of, of Toto Wolff saying repeatedly that he thinks it's going to benefit the team more than it'll, um, more than it'll hinder them. There's got to be an air of uncertainty about, you know, you just don't know what all the other teams are doing and you don't know how far back it's going to pull you into the clutches of the other teams on a qualifying weekend, on a qualifying day. So, they're probably there's a part of me that thinks they're probably trying to eke out the absolute maximum for the team while they've got this this high qualifying mode that they can take advantage of and then run away for the next race because when you look at how close Bottas is to Verstappen or should I say how close Verstappen is to Bottas might be that the order changes a little bit the race pace over the weekend Verstappen was only a tenth down on both Mercedes. So if they're using the quality mode and then it powers them up more, then, you know, we could, there's, there is potential for us to see the balance shift a little bit as a result of this rule. And there wouldn't be so much talk about it if there wasn't. So Mercedes are definitely, I think, playing a bit, a bit of a game of let's just take a final advantage of this thing and, and make sure we maximise our points while we do have an advantage, while we know we've got an advantage. Do you think it was also them potentially trying to protect the power units? Yeah, there's probably a... There could be an element of that. I think it's a bit early in the season to be really, really thinking about that. I think there's a championship to be won, and and really they ought to be letting their cars race each other. Um, It's a bit disappointing to see. To be honest, I I just don't think... Bottas had the legs on Verstappen this weekend anyway. I think even if he had gone for a push, he probably wouldn't have been quick enough to hold the place. And maybe maybe they knew that, and maybe that was why they, they, they warned him off. Yeah, potentially. Um, I, I think that... What do you think? Yeah, I want to know. They had, they'll, they'll always be sceptics, I think. Um, like It is a shame that they've not let each other race, but I think some people always take the, the, like, the cynical view of it all um there was a point where lewis sort of said that he felt like he was losing power or that he was down on power mm. at one point which to be fair that was the point that gripped my attention and i was like is this engine gonna go can we can i see yeah. can i see something interesting that's gonna maybe just shake up the order a little bit even if it's just that you know he stays in the race but he's, he's down on power or something or you know even I mean, better for the standings, obviously not better for Lewis or Mercedes, but better for the overall standings is there's a retirement in there. Um, but he, he managed to stay ahead. And I think it was partly as well Mercedes looking looking into that because I I did hear from, I can't remember where it was now over the over the course of the weekend, but I do remember them hearing, I do remember hearing somebody mentioning the fact that after Lewis had made that complaint, he was pretty much consistently slowest through a lot of the speed traps in places of the track. Um, so there was, it, it's not like there was nothing going on in it. It was just him saying things, but some, there is, I haven't seen it. I've only heard of it, but mm. there's apparently some statistical analysis that backs up the fact that 
the car wasn't quite performing as well as it had been earlier yeah. in the race before I, that. I, I take that with a pinch of salt because yeah. the um, over the weekend they weren't the fastest by any stretch of the imagination down the straight um, in the speed trap. It was the racing points that were that are the quickest in the speed trap. Now, oh, that's why Ren- he, Renault were well up there as and well. Renault, and yeah, Renault. and Renault were up there, yeah. Um, the Mercedes, you know, it's not just outright power that's making that car fast. Yeah. It's, it's a very good car in every part of the track, in every aspect. So, yeah, um, for them to... I, I don't think it was that much of an issue for Hamilton, to be honest. I think it was more just he his... It was after the safety car, so he'd probably not been building it's a long lap so he probably wasn't building up the energy in the same way that he had been on previous laps because obviously as you go around slowly behind the safety car you're not putting as much um braking energy into the car so therefore you're not charging the battery and yeah you just it's going to take maybe one or two laps to of um of charge mode if you like to to get the car back up to where he'd like it so yeah. and it could be that maybe you know maybe the safety car did sort of drop him out of the optimum energy window for his lap for him to run his pace and maybe that's why maybe that's maybe it did slow him down a touch but clearly you know it didn't slow him down enough for him to be worried about the 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 two contenders behind him no i think like you say it's the there may have been something to it but it slipping down the order in the speed traps and stuff a little bit isn't necessarily hard hard evidence of that, is no, it? No, because no. like you say, they, they were probably never at the top of it in the first place. Um, it's not, it's not where they, it's not where they aim their car, is it? They aim their car as an all round car. Yeah. Um, if anything, away from the high speed stuff, they they aim it, they aim it more. Not obviously as aero dependent as um, the likes of Red Bull have in the past, but they definitely, I would say, more more lean that way than slippery straight line speed oh yeah to, definitely. Be, to be fair not in, not many circuits demand that anymore do they realistically other than not the one really. coming up next week yeah <laughs> next week we've got monza baku and there's a big old straight on um at Miguelo as well you're gonna see some overtaking down there there'll be some overtaking in Miguelo in turn one but that's yeah that's, we'll save that for well, i suppose yeah we'll, we'll, we'll get to that <laughs> we'll get to that in that, a week in a week's time yeah yeah <laughs> that's um, next week's show we're already pushed for content as it is with this one don't <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, if we get another get another crap race next week then we're stuffed exactly um, um so one of the next sort of major points i guess in the race quite early on was the absolutely huge crash for Giovinazzi, uh, which also ended up taking out George Russell due to one of the rear wheels essentially coming loose from the car. Um, there wasn't really much at all George could do to avoid it. I think he did as best he could, but he ended up taking out the front corner of his car, front right corner yeah. of his car, and there was nowhere for him to go at that point other than tyre barriers. Uh, I mean, it was a scary crash, is the simplest yeah. way to put it, wasn't it? More than a little bit scary. I would say that one. That was a, you know, you get flashbacks of sort of um, Henry Surtees, don't you? Um, mm. Was it? Was it? Uh, Brands, Brands, Brands wasn't it? Yeah, it was Brands mm. Hatch coming that, down the hill. Yeah, that was a that was really, really, really nasty one. And um, yeah, when you, I mean, you, you heard Martin Brundle's reaction. If you're listening in the UK or Australia or in the English speaking territories, you would have heard Martin Brundle wince as as he saw the replay. Yeah. In the commentary box, so it just shows you what a what a scary one that was. Um, yeah, you don't like to see it. Obviously, wheels coming off cars. There's only so much. So they have got they do have wheel tethers to hold the 
the wheel onto the car in the event of a crash. Yeah. But there's, if the whole um, suspension arm comes off, which is what the tethers are attached to, there's only so much give yeah, that, it, that you can have. It's, it can I mean, be infinitely attached, you know? Like There's only the, so much force it can take. The rear corner of the Alpha was pretty much ripped off, wasn't it? And Yeah. I mean, you could see that in the in the contents of what was coming towards George. It wasn't just a wheel, was it? It was, yeah, it was all a wheel business. with a suspension arm and everything attached to it. Yeah. So. And they're heavy, you know. They're really yeah. the, the wheels themselves are not light, and I mean they're light for a for a wheel, but then you know those big old rubber tires they've got, yeah. and they add a lot of weight to the to the weight of the wheel, and um, all that suspension. You got your brake brakes on there as well. You've got a couple of dri- you've got a drive shaft sticking in there few wishbones like yeah there's a lot of gubbins and it's just not what you want to see tumbling across a racetrack with another car coming out at 170 miles an hour no um a, a slight positive towards the the marshalling team though because did in my impression they did quite a good job of getting that track clear enough for the cars to come through on on a processional safety lap behind the safety car um, like, you know, they prioritised getting the track clear and getting everything off it. Um, yeah. And I think they did a really good job in that, to be fair, and getting the cars out of the way for us to get racing again. Yeah, they get a lot of practice. They get a lot of practice at Spa, I think. It rains True, enough yeah, there that they're it's probably, very, it's probably very, quite good at picking up bits of car. I mean, it's a very old-fashioned and punishing circuit, really, isn't it? Like, if you come off the road in any way at Spa, you you know, you know you're in trouble in terms of damage to the car, at most corners, like there's, oh, yeah. there's well, few places fast, on that it? track where you can get away with it, and like you say, it's fast. Yeah, it's it's high speed. Yeah, for the most part. Mm. So, I mean, it is quite punishing when you make those mistakes. And like, I mean, Giovinazzi's mistake that sort of started the whole snowball effect, the whole ripple effect. It was just that he got a little bit too wide on the exit, and he sort of bottomed yeah. the car out on the curb, which you know caused him to. He tried to catch the slide and. But at that point, the car's bottomed out, and it's just sort of them yeah, bitten in and, an and swung on him. Absolute tank slapper on, didn't he? Um, yeah, yeah. It was it was such a small mistake. It was it was really yeah. it felt really really badly punished, I guess, for for such a small mistake to have occurred. Um, yeah, obviously, it was a passenger for the most part of that. I mean, you just can't predict when you going to lose grip like that or you might say it didn't happen to anyone else so he just you know it's his fault putting the car in the wrong place but still it's a it was a tough one it was a really really it was was a bit of bad luck i think involved and george did really really well to so i mean he he obviously saw it unfolding ahead of him and he'd he'd already slowed down before sort of the wheels started coming across the track so i think he had it in hand but um yeah, he kind of, you know, he had to move across and make sure the car, the wheel didn't bounce up the center of the body, and and you know his his front right wheel kind of took the brunt of the impact from that wheel, and then he just yeah. went into the barriers, and it was a fairly other than the wheel flying across the track, it, I think it looked the wheel coming across made it look a, a much worse accident than it was. Yeah, quite possibly. Like George's side of it probably wasn't too, other than the wheel thing, like you say, it wasn't too significant was it because he's gone into those tires and just kind of um i guess slid along after that yeah point. he's kind of slid done. along the grass and then hit the hit the big barriers and and just sort of obviously these cars are suit in situations like the, that situation these cars are actually really safe because they're so solid yeah. 
and he's already slowing down before he's gone onto the grass. So he's already scrubbed off quite a lot of that speed. The impact of the wheel onto his own wheel would have scrubbed off quite a lot of speed as well. And these things, even when you're not on the brakes, they've got the braking power of a Vauxhall Corsa before you've even sort of pushed the brake pedal. So, you know, he's already slowing down quite a lot. He eventually hits the barriers and does a bit of rotation there, but he jumps up. He's, he's more or less straight out of the car within, you know, less than a minute of, of the impact in the wall. So, yeah, and I, d- I don't recall seeing the um, medical cars showing up or anything like that either. No, I think I think they might have initially um, headed out for Giovinazzi's, but I, I don't know if him being able to get himself out of the car makes any difference to that. Mm. Um because I think I think if they can extract themselves from the car, there's no like, there's not necessarily a compulsion for the medical car. But the, if the G sensors have gone off, which I imagine yeah. for Giovinazzi's they quite likely will have, um, you you still require to at least visit the medical center, aren't you, for a um, a check over just yeah. to make sure there's nothing yeah. um untoward. Yeah, and also let's and let's not like take that. away that from I mean George Russell did sound pretty shaken up on the radio. Let's. You know, and, and yeah. I'm sure it was pretty, pretty sketchy. One to you know, in hindsight, it's we can. It's easy to say it wasn't so bad, but I guess when you're in that moment, you can see it unfolding. The world must slow down, and you just must be like, right, process this bit by bit. Yeah. In in all in a fraction of a second, he's making all these decisions. You know, I move to the left to avoid the wheel. I hit. I pull my brakes. I I, I take avoiding action. I direct the car into a position where it's going to make the least. Is going to be the safest for me to, you know, yeah. come out of this incident with the least possible damage to myself, and all of that, all that thinking is going on in in, you know, a fraction of a second, like a, quicker than you could even blink. So, yeah, yeah it's hats off to uh, to both drivers, really. I guess for coming out of it with uh, not really any injuries to speak of. Yeah. Um, moving on from that, um, we'll move on to what is overall a pretty positive weekend for Renault. Essentially, Ricardo's finished fourth and Ocon's fifth. Uh, a fastest lap as well for Danny Rick, which he pulled out on the final lap. And all in all, the, the Renault looked quite a threat to the to the top two teams during the weekend, didn't it? Like, they were yeah. there and thereabouts pretty much all weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um... Danny Rick made life really difficult. I think it's part of the reason we got a bit of a crap race, to be honest, because <laughs> they they were sort of the guys at the front were kind of in tire saving mode for quite a long time in the race, which meant that they weren't really obviously pushing too much and weren't really taking too many risks. And they couldn't pit for soft tires because Daniel Ricardo would have kind of not not so much for the Mercedes, but for Verstappen, he would have come out probably very near to the back of Daniel Ricciardo, which would have meant he wouldn't have been able to, it would have been much more difficult for him to push on his new tyres and catch back up to the Mercedes and and pose a real threat to them. I guess what I would have liked to have seen would have been Verstappen make that pit stop and push the two Mercedes, right? That's what we all wanted to see. Yeah. Part of I think part of the reason we ended up in this situation was because of the accident we just mentioned because they all pitted a little bit earlier than maybe well, they this, might have. This is the thing: like the the top three in Hamilton, Bottas, and Verstappen were all starting on the medium, and as soon as that accident occurred, and pretty much most people had gone in behind the safety car um, to take advantage of the pit stop, 
uh, or the, the reduction of the penalty that a pit stop that has essentially um the the top three all then went to the hards um as did a lot of the field to be totally honest with you a lot of them moved over to the hard and um danny rick went from the soft to the hard so he kind of ended up matching their strategy by getting off the soft tire when he would have needed to anyway so it, it's it's a tale of two halves isn't it like the, the safety cars come at a very good time for danny rick because he's managed to get off the soft on schedule without too much of a penalty in terms of lap time loss because of it being behind the safety car and then just joined the front runners on the hard, which means that realistically, I guess, that that Renault was there on out-and-out pace because it was on the same tyre stint strategy of let's go to the end on hards. And it you know, it wasn't that far behind Max by the end of the race. Um mm. But like you say, I guess the front three were more in tyre saving mode than the rest of the grid. Yeah, definitely. As they always think, are. Like at the, well, towards the end of the race, they were all sort of starting to slow down a little bit anyway because they were getting a bit marginal yeah. on tyre, weren't they? So, you know, it just shows you how much tyre saving they were having to do by the fact that even though they were saving those tyres for pretty much the whole, you know, the bulk of the race, they still at the end were like really, really close to sort of having issues with them. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I hate to I hate to talk about it so much tires, but in this case, it really did sort of make a massive difference to. I mean, it always does make a massive difference to the race, but this case particularly probably could have done with a step softer tires. I think for the race, but we'd already go. gone a step softer though, hadn't we? As well, and I think even I think even softer. <laughs> I I really think even softer. I, I think yeah. keep giving them really really soft tires, and then you know we'll get fast fast times, and we'll also get. A situation where situations where they they have to try different things to get the most out of the tire and it spices up the racing and makes it good like they've got to do more pit stops because the tires don't last as long and we all yeah. know that more pit stops equals more action more strategy more juice for us to squeeze out of these races so i mean the only yeah. thing that i'm always concerned with when it comes to more pit stops is that you risk you, you definitely run the risk of everything happening under pit stop and you're never really seeing on track action but i guess we're not really seeing any at the minute anyway are we so it's it's a potential trade-off. To, yeah. You're not really going to get any worse than what we are. At the yeah, minute, definitely not. At, at the front, at least. Yeah, like at the yeah. very front, obviously, we're not seeing too much swapping positions and stuff like that. I think midfield's all right at the moment. I think we're quite seeing some yeah. quite good racing through the midfield. But, um, yeah, again, it's, it's it's just alternate strategies, I suppose. When someone, you know, look, look at Perez, like, this weekend. Like, he... He was quite interesting to watch. He, he sort of was plumb last for a period of the race after the safety car. Yeah. Uh, after he pit, sorry, after he pitted because he he didn't pit during the safety car, so he pitted later. Ended up last and then um, fought his way back through the field. I think he got up to I want to say eight tenth. Oh, was he tenth in the end? Was it tenth yeah. in the end? He was he was ahead of Gasly at one point. I think he Gasly was a little bit him. higher at one point. Yeah, um, but yeah, he finished up the race tenth. And speaking of. Gasly, tyre strategies and safety cars. Um, Gasly, in my opinion, had a really good drive, but was basically hurt by the timing of that safety car. Um, he was on like an opposite strategy to a lot of people where he'd started on the harder tyre in, in the prospect of going longer into the race, which meant it wasn't really feasible for him to pick behind the safety car. Um, mm. And then when he eventually did, which was 
about the midpoint of the race. Um, he then switched over to the medium, so slightly softer than where he was from the hard. But sadly for him, it, it ended up with a eighth place finish. But I think had it not been for the time of that safety car, he could have been with his pace and the way he was driving. I think he was in with a shout of, you know, pushing a little bit further up, like maybe challenging Norris and Albon and looking at sort of, I don't know, pushing towards that fifth place that Ocon was in or something like that. Like, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he, he did get hurt a little bit by it. It, it was just, I mean, it's just strategy. It's just what happens. It's yeah. racing, isn't it? Like occasionally there's accidents and it, and it, yep. and it messes up your strategy, you know, like <laughs> there's not a lot you can really do about it other than make the best of what you've got. Um, Back to Renault again, sorry. I sort of ran us off Renault a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's fine. Um, Renault, yeah, so Ricardo fastest lap, amazing drive. Really, really good drive from Ricardo. Ricardo spent most of his time just like in, in that no man's land, kind of yeah. just hanging out, not really being pushed by anyone behind him and probably without the pace to to catch up to the car. Well, definitely without the pace to catch up to the cars ahead. He, he got the fastest lap. They told him that... Um, he had the opportunity to get fastest lap and in the final lap he just sent it and and achieved that by a good margin as well i think there's a few good few temps at the very least yeah uh, i don't know what the i don't know what the um the time i think it was, was a before. 140 it was a 147 4 and the nearest to it was like a 147 8 so it was like a good four temps ahead right of, considerable of then. Car, which was I think the one behind was Hamilton and Gasly was the third fastest with a um a half telling off from uh Silver Beatable really yeah he um he initially he came on the radio and said thanks for letting me know about the fastest lap guys I sent it that lap <laughs> um and then Cyril I think I'm pretty sure it was Cyril anyway uh came on the radio and just said just so you know um I didn't approve that. I didn't agree with them telling you about the fastest lap, but you got us a point, so I'm happy with that at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in, in tip, so that's why I think it's still beatable because it, obviously it sounded a bit like him over the radio, but also just the the nature of that comment is very Cyril, isn't it? Yeah, that is <laughs> so Cyril. Um, Ocon, he kind of couldn't really hold a candle to Ricardo this weekend. He was a couple of attempts yeah. off of him, um, which is forgivable. It's his first season back in Formula One, so and Ricardo's an old hand these days. So you know, you, it's kind of you don't expect Ocon, I guess, to be quite up there yet. But um, still, a good show from Ocon to, to finish up in fifth. I think it's a yeah, really I mean, good performance. He's done as good as he can do realistically, which is finish in the next available position behind his teammate. I mean, you can't ask that much more from him, can you, other than beat his teammate? And I don't think he's, he's in tune with the car and everything just yet. Like you say, he's, you know, it's his first year back. And although the race has come thick and fast to, to kind of keep that... Um, yeah, to keep, them keep him in the, in the zone, I guess. It's still... There's still an adjustment period, isn't it, to actually physically being back in the car? Yeah, definitely. So. Especially after so much time off as well. Remember, these guys had like a lot of time off. So the younger, yeah. more rookie-ish drivers are, are probably, you know, I think they're going to struggle a bit more than the old boys who, yeah. who are so used to, you know, taking breaks and just can just get in cars and just, it's like an old glove to them, isn't it? Whereas like the new yeah. guys, you know, to take a long time out of driving and then get yourself back in it, although you're in the prime of your career, in theory, it, I guess, like the impact of more time off is probably probably has a greater effect. Yeah, 
I think that's fair to so. say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like um, you say, when when you're more attuned to it from being there more regular, it's a lot easier to just slip back into routine, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, to, to take us back to the Avataris, where did Kvyat finish in the end? Um, Just outside the points. He was 11th behind Perez. 11th. Okay, so not too far behind then. Um, yeah. he, he had kind of an anonymous race. Kvyat. you didn't really see much I, of I don't remember really seeing him to be honest yeah. then again I mean look let's, honestly the Belgian 2020 is not going to be a race that anyone remembers anytime soon I don't think no except it's... for maybe like Russell and his nightmares yeah. or Ferrari and their nightmares appropriately it's probably yeah. that's one of his next well, yeah shall we get points. into that then so Essentially, Ferrari have gone from winning the race last year to being <laughs> legit slowest. In I believe it was FP three. Yeah. Bethel was, yeah, it was slowest. Yeah, um, and then finishing the race thirteenth and fourteenth. Seb was thirteenth. Charles was fourteenth. Um, essentially, squabbling with customer teams outside the points, being overtaken by the likes of Raikkonen, legitimately on pace. Um, yeah. It was a terrible weekend for the Scuderia, wasn't it? Yeah, that car is a dog, isn't it? They, mm. They're just—they've had an absolute shocker. It looks like they were probably chasing setup. I reckon, like they just didn't hit the ground running in the first instance, and just kept digging the hole deeper and deeper and deeper for themselves, and never managed to claw their way out of it. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it just showed, you know, they went in, the, it's clear that they went in completely the wrong direction because they just got slower and slower and slower, it seemed th- like. The only thing I can imagine is that they're trying to go somewhere with setup to counter the um, the, the engine issues that we believe that we've had, they've had all season, like, they, yeah. you know, a power, a power issue of some kind. And in doing that, they've just essentially compromised the whole middle sector because... Yes, although Sector 3 and Sector 1 are both pretty flat for the most part in most cars these days, um, that middle sector is still a substantial amount of the lap, and it's all very, like, high-speed corners, which, re- you know, they require downforce. Yeah. And yeah. I, I just wonder if they've gone so far off in the let's try and focus on the camel straight and not getting overtaken by people yeah. and being able to catch people with a lack of power, so going in that direction. And they've just compromised that huge middle sector of the lap. Yeah, um, because... even then, like, even then, even even in doing that, they still couldn't get past people down the Camel Strait in the race. Yeah, exactly. So it's 47 exactly. seconds long, the um, the middle sector. Yeah, which is, a, which is, you know, it's nearly half the lap, isn't it? In a, in a like... Formula One car, so, you know, look at Austria. Austria's only, like... Just only just over a minute. It's like a minute and a second, yeah. a minute and two seconds on on yeah. qualifying day. So when you look at, you're only sort of 10, 11, 12 seconds off a full lap, and that's just a that's sector. So yeah. yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty pretty huge. It just gives you an impression, a real impression of how big that track is. Actually, if just the middle sector is almost the length of the Austrian Grand Prix track. Yeah, and and like the the thing is as well. I mean. To show how significant it is, from from what I remember when I was watching the practice sessions and and even quali, was that Lewis and um, Valtteri weren't even, weren't like pushing 
ridiculous sector one or sector three times they were making their time up for the most part in sector two yeah because that's where their car was the strongest yeah. and that's what they'd set up for and mm -hmm. I've, i like i said i think ferrari just went too far the other way and then they got caught chasing it realizing we shouldn't have done this and then they just never got it back and essentially yeah. ended up in some horrible no man's land where yeah. Nothing worked. Engineers looking around at each other like, did did you pack the hire down force package? What? No, no, no one said no one said to bring the high why didn't you bring the high down force package? We need the high down force package. Just yeah. It, it was it just shows you what I think like the big thing, obviously they're having huge issues with engine. All the Ferrari cars are having massive engine issues. There's no denying that now. I think given how all the Ferrari cars, Ferrari engined cars or Ferrari power united cars, if you like, um, where they are uh, through the fields, then well, it's very obvious that the engine is the biggest weak point in that car. But then they've also designed a, you know, a, a car with poor aero and probably not the best chassis either. So yeah, I mean, all around just struggling. For the perspective of what you were just saying there, Kimi Raikkonen twelfth lead Ferrari engine, yeah, Sebastian Vettel thirteenth, Charles Leclerc fourteenth. Roman Grosjean behind them in 15th. Latifi yeah. was 16th in the Williams, and then the Magnussen Williams. last on the road in 17th in yeah. a Ferrari powered Haas. So, so yeah. essentially, pretty the much all the point, the all, all the non point scoring positions are occupied by Ferrari engines there. Yeah. Whereas in the, in the, in the points, you've got a mixture of Mercedes, Honda, and Renault. Did, did a Ferrari engine score points this weekend at all? No. It didn't. Uh, Kimi was the highest finishing at, uh, Ferrari at in the Alpha, and that was 12th. Wow. Well, there you go. I mean, that says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. Quite Especially at a power track, the first real big power. I mean, yeah. Silverstone, yeah, that's a power circuit. And I seem to remember Ferrari not doing amazingly there either, but um, not this bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. Some people just like to watch the Auburn. We've said it before. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. It's a shame though. Like I'm sad about it. Like I'm especially sad for Vettel. I said this last week. Like I really 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 want to see Vettel do well in uh, uh, Vettel's one of the drivers who you'd expect to be taking the fight to the Mercedes. So, you know, you want to see him and Leclerc like right they need to be given the car. If if any team is capable of doing it, it should be Ferrari. The budget they've got is see, just insane. I think there were two instances as well over this weekend, and this is this is not necessarily a Ferrari thing. It's just something I noticed. But Seb was trying to essentially alter his own strategy again over the radio, and just just basically saying, "Look, I'm I'm stuck behind these guys. I'm not going to get past them. Pit me, give me some clean air with yeah. some a different compound, and let me let me go at that." And they were like, "Nope, nope. We've decided yeah. that it's best for you to stay out." And he's like, "Well." Pff, I'm not going anywhere if you leave me yeah, out here. We're not and, going to do that, anything, yeah. And that was that. it. But Kimi also had a similar thing where he was due to come in and he asked them what compound he was scheduled to go on. I think they told, I, I can't remember it word for word, but it was along the lines of they told him that he was due to go onto the hard tyre. He basically turned around to them and said, yeah, I sure. don't want the hard tyre. I don't think it'll work. Um, give me Give me the medium instead. Whether he'd have been eligible to or not is another matter because <laughs> you've got to run both compounds, yeah, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. he was already on the medium. So, but then they've turned around to him and said, "No, no, hard, you're going on the hard. That's it." But like, I mean, for what it's worth, Kimmy might have wanted to go medium and then a short stint on the soft at the end or something like. But 
I mean, the, the the drivers are the ones in the car at the end of the day, and they know what they can feel. Like, I know the strategists get paid a lot of money to to make these calls, but when both these cars are finishing outside the points, anyway, yeah. like, what what harm is it to let You're the driver right. have a little bit of say in that? Two X world champion, bear in mind. Yeah. <laughs> what's the, it's, it's almost a what's the difference though, isn't it? It's like, well, mm. we're, we're nowhere anyway, so just do as you're told kind of thing. It's almost yeah, like both Al- sides are a little bit dejected. Yeah. Al- Alpha said something like, uh, it's too late now anyway to Kimmy. And he went, it's never too late. Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I, 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 I did the graphics for that radio message today. So I know the one, I know the exact one you're talking about. That was a good one. It's never yeah, too late. <laughs> it's never too late. It, it did sound very rejected. I think the Vettel one though was the most, um, the most telling like that that one again it's just another radio message where Vettel's making suggestions trying to sort of lead the team trying to get somewhere with the team and he's just having it thrown back in his face and just being smacked down and told to do just just shut up and get on with it almost you know yeah. I feel like that's that's the translation Italian engineers seem to think that copy that means shut up and get on with it because that's what they keep <laughs> yeah. telling him it's, yeah. but it's just I mean, not. I just Charles don't think didn't... it's what it's not what you want to see. I don't want to see Sebastian yeah. Vettel in this position, and that's why again I'll repeat it again. I, I I would love to see him in a racing point next season because I think that car would have been on the podium by now if he was in it. Yeah, it's a his performance coupled with what the car has been capable of in recent mm, times. Exactly. You, you would expect a result, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that leads us to poor old Saints, Mr. Carlos Saints, who, yeah. um, I mean, might be looking at it thinking, I'm glad I wasn't involved in all that, I don't know. <laughs> but um, he never made it to the start, unfortunately. On the way to the grid, um, he had an exhaust issue, which I believe ended up causing a fire um, in the internal combustion unit of the engine, and essentially there was no way of fixing that in time. So we never saw Mr. Science on track other than on his way to the grid. Yeah. Sadly. I didn't actually see any of that because I had such a hectic time when I got to work. Like <laughs> because of it that I yeah. yeah, I literally didn't have time to even watch it. He, so. he went he went on the um like the install lap to the grid, um complained of smoke coming out of the back of the car and they immediately told him to box because could see something was wrong. Then it came out, it was an exhaust problem. And I think later on that they said that it had caused the exhaust problem had caused like a fire um, that had done damage to the yeah. ICU and and um, meant that the car was not going anywhere for the start of the race, which was a shame. shame. It was a shame. It's always sad to see a car out before the lights have even gone out, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Especially science. Um, science could have brought a lot to the table. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we'll do talkie, uh, takeaways even. Um, takeaways, from... Deliveroo takeaways. Yeah. Just Eats. Just Eats, Uber <laughs> Eats. Sponsorships are available. No. Um, so I'll let you go through these two because this is usually your bit. Yeah, okay. So last week we, we asked, can Racing Point get the podium? <laughs> They've looked like <laughs> they should have all year. Um, the answer to that was a resounding Ooh. no. <laughs> um, where was it? Eight, uh, ninth and tenth, weren't they? Stroll ninth yeah. and uh, uh, Perez tenth. So, was indeed. Yeah, I'm not sure what went wrong for Racing Point. They just they just didn't seem to have the pace. Like I Perez, mean, sort of, Perez had some had a lot of pace, but it came at the wrong point in the race, and he was so far back that he couldn't do anything with it. 
or he couldn't turn it into a better result. And Stroll kind of, he was on the regular strategy and just sort of, you know, it was almost like back to the old Stroll where he just sort of he goes around anonymously and no one really pays him any attention. I mean, this is what happens if you trace a car, but only in one setup variation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they've only point. traced one setup, so it doesn't work <laughs> at every circuit like the real Merc. <laughs> yeah. um, we also last week we asked them um, what next in the racing point McLaren Ferrari battle for third and the constructors. Well, McLaren. Uh, still... Well, I was about to say the answer is Renault. <laughs> yeah, Renault has joined the fight. <laughs> Renault have joined the fight for third. Yeah, so w- let me just get the standings on my screen. So we've got um, McLaren up in third at 68 points. Racing Point are now ahead of Ferrari with 66 points Ouch. after Ferrari's abysmal race performance. And uh, Renault are only two points behind Ferrari on 61 with uh, Renault's 59 points down in six. I mean... So. They're, they're really nipping Monza, at the tails of Ferrari. Coming out of Monza, you could be seeing Ferrari sixth in the constructors there. Yeah, yeah. And Alpha Tauri didn't look too bad this weekend. I mean, they're a long way off them in points, but if Ferrari keep imploding the way that they are, and Alpha Tauri keep picking up points, then yeah, it, I, mean, I mean, it won't be long before. I mean, you've got you know we have got a, f- a couple more power circuits coming up, so yeah. Miguelo, Mugello is not a million miles off of... They've got a long old straight, as we've already mentioned. Um, it's going to be an interesting one set-wise, that one. I think it levels the playing wheels field somewhat because Ferrari... Uh, it's Ferrari's track, so they'll probably <laughs> have a better idea of what's going on there than most of the other teams. But I think yeah. if, if they are poor there, then that's just going to hurt all the more, isn't it? Um, well, and and that's the Ferrari one thousand race. Yeah. Long. So, I, I mean, there's been there's been debate about this, but there's there's debate that Ferrari as an engine supplier reached a thousand races this weekend because there's two races they didn't compete in, but a Ferrari powered car did. But by Ferrari standard, they're saying it will be the one at Mugello, which I mean it. It fits better for them, but it is actually Ferrari as a constructor's one thousandth race as well. Yeah, I think that's but I think that's fair. Then I think that's it's going to be a, a an abysmal birthday or whatever, an abysmal landmark for them, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. To, it's not if they're going to end up outside the points at their own race at their own track, celebrating a thousand races. They're going to need a bit of Bernie's magic Ferrari dust over them, aren't they, to uh, to get it's, them back to where it's the they first race that's going to allow any fans, isn't it? As well, Magello. Is it? Oh mm. goodness! Oh, that's that's what a surprise! I think, I think that they were saying that there's two thousand five hundred tickets available, so it's not like a, it's not a huge number, but wow, that's a hot. Ticket. It is looking like it could be um, one of the first races because there's those, there were nothing at Monza. Those are um, going to be pricey, pricey tickets. I can, I yeah. can bet. Um, um, yeah. yeah. So Renault, Renault fifty nine points. Renault, I think I think we'll see Renault ahead of um, Ferrari, maybe even catching up to Racing Point. In, yeah, uh, it's entirely in possible if they've got another result in them like yeah, this weekend. By, by the time we arrive at Mugello. So yeah, I was saying how you know the, the Ferrari engine isn't that powerful. The next race is a real power track, so and it's widely regarded as Ferrari's home race overall. Really, yeah, yeah, they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle next race. 
And then the final well, take... Oh, go on, sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, what I always find interesting about this is, like, Ferrari used to build their car to be quick at places like Monza mm. and didn't... Well, I didn't build it to be quick there, but, I mean, they always made sure that they would be able to be in contention at somewhere like Monza because it's important for them to win in Italy. And I think the irony is is that it's the engine and the power that's letting them down the most at the moment, which means that they're less likely than ever to, to be getting anywhere near the front yeah. at Monza. Final takeaway. Will it act- we asked last week, will it actually rain this time? It didn't no. rain really at all during any F1 sessions, weirdly. No. There was a it little it rained after a bit the of race. a spit. We, yeah, we got a bit of a spit. We got an absolute storm after qualifying as well. You could hear yeah. that like, in the office, you could hear the thunder because we keep the feed on, on the screen. And the whole of... Um, uh, a rouge, so like the 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 rate that the corner before the hill was underwater, like completely, completely properly underwater. The river overflowed onto the track. It was that heavy. The rain, it was crazy. It was a it was a pretty green track going into qualifying as well, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, rain yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. Sorry, that's when the that's when the rain was. It was after. It was, it was I think there was night, I think there was Saturday two spells. Night. To be fair, though, it wasn't the. I don't know if there was one overnight on Saturday, but. I know the track was pretty green Saturday because yeah, nobody bothered Saturday. going out first thing Saturday practice. Yeah, I'm getting mixed up. It's it's all a blur to me. These race weekends just become a blur. <laughs> it was Friday night that the real thunderstorm came. Um, okay, so shall we pick some things of the day? Yeah. Um, I mean, drive of the day for me, like, I'm quite happy with the official vote that was Pierre Gasly, if I'm honest. Um, like, made okay. up most positions of anyone. Uh, so, I mean, that's put him up for a candidate, in my opinion, anyway. Could have been more if it wasn't for the unfortunate timing of the safety car and quite handily outperforming his teammate. So, yeah. I mean, it's between him and Danny Rick for me, I think, personally. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think, I was going to say Danny Rick, but then I think you've you've convinced me, Pierre Gasly, because he's in less of a car and he's worked harder to get the net result. I think the thing that tips it potentially towards Ricardo is the fastest lap. Yeah. The fact that he pipped Gasly to fastest lap and Hamilton. Um, so if, I guess we would have needed a casting vote, but Chris, Chris is not here. So <laughs> hopefully. So um, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go Gasly. Okay. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it easy. Okay, so then we've got a move of the day. What are we having for move of the day? I mean, (laughs) this name's going to come up again, and it's Pierre Gasly. Um, He did a bit of a a round the outside to the inside of, um, I think it was one of the racing points, sure. I think it was Perez. Perez. It was Perez. Perez. Um, Because he pushed and squeezed him. He squeezed him into the wall again, because that's his trademark move. Well, he did that with Ocon, didn't he? When Ocon was yeah. at racing point with him. Yep, he did. So, so yeah, that's an easy one. Gasly on Perez. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there were that many more, to be honest. <laughs> no, yeah, they were a, they were one, they were a few. Like Perez made some okay moves. Most of the moves, as usual, were down the straight. So it's yeah, you know, they're not really move moves. Those ones, they're just kind of. You know, it's like taking candy from a baby a lot of the time, unless you're Charles Leclerc and you can't get past a, you know, Haas. But <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, and finally, shall we have a WTF moment? 
Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? Oof, thank, um, thank you, Sebastian. I know what mine is. Go on, you, you tell me yours, because I was... There's a few things that stuck out, but nothing, like, solidly as a WTF. Okay, my biggest WTF is the the sponsorship video things that Heineken are doing with... with so, like, the, the camera's, like, shooting down the Kemmel straight, and at the back there's a massive screen, and it's got, like, a fan on it. And yeah. they literally, they held the camera on it for, like... I'm not kidding, must have been like nearly a minute just so that it get to the Heineken branding. And then they cut to another shot and it was Heineken written on the track as well. So that was obviously like the part in the race where they'd agreed with Heineken that they'd show off their brand. And I that, that stuff to me is kind of WTF because it's just so on the nose. Like the, the best, yeah. as someone who works in sort of that part of the world, like the best marketing and the best kind of integration of brands into any content is the ones that you barely notice. And that was just like in your face. It was like almost yeah. sickening. <laughs> so that's my WTF. Well, I mean, this is the thing Like I, so DHL's kind of plastered all over the place, but it's not, I guess the only time it really gets thrown in your face is when it's the DHL Fastest Lap Award. Yeah. Or DHL yeah. Pole Position, whichever one it is. It, see, I can't remember which one it's it is. It's Fastest Lap. It's Fastest it is, Lap. Like, I thought it was Fastest yeah. Lap. So, like, there is one that's obviously, like, it's a targeted sponsorship. But, I mean, that's only, like, when it was the Barclays Premier League or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, It's true, but I think like, it's the difference It's just a title is, sponsorship. Yeah, I think the difference, though, is that this year, the Formula One Championship is the Aramco Formula One World Championship 2020. I've noticed. <laughs> Trust so me, I've they've noticed sponsored pretty everywhere. much every race. Yeah, they, they've, they've covered <laughs> off like they've really gone big. Um, yeah, but Heineken is still obviously there with like big, big sponsorship with them, and DHL massive, massive, massive sponsorship, long, long running sponsorship with Formula One as well, yeah. which is you know, which is good because you you need the support. But I just think there are more creative ways of of putting and less obtrusive ways of putting that brand in front of the in front of the audience i feel like without getting too far into sort of let's be an advertising podcast the the more you notice it and the more it is pushed shoved in the face of the audience the more risk there is of the brand being actually turned the the, the, the audience being turned off by that brand and sort of yeah Makes sense. You know, it builds resentment almost in a way. In yeah, a way. because you, you get sick of seeing it, and especially in the context that you see it in where yeah, that's it's, it feels like invasive. It's forced upon you, yeah. 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 It's like, get your hands I'm, off my sport, Heineken, yeah. like, you know, back off. Like, I'm just trying to enjoy my cars going around the track. I don't need your fan just dancing around on a screen behind like it's Nickelodeon or something. Nickelodeon. <laughs> <laughs> Not oh, sure Heineken I mean, have a branding deal with Nickelodeon yet, but <laughs> they will if they can. <laughs> yeah, get them young. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I think in terms of the, the, an on-track one, as in a racing one, mine, my mind immediately will always jump to Ferrari, like going pretty much first to worst. Like they were the only team that had not made an improvement in times, from what I remember seeing over the course of the weekend. Um, yeah. Um, interesting, actually, uh, thing that happened to Leclerc was they had to repressurize his tires. It looked like I think like, yeah, they, they had to repressurize something, didn't they? The air, yeah. So they were late bringing the tires out, 
and it turns out yeah. they had to do something to the air in the tires whether that's like add more i guess they probably had to increase the pressure on the tires to get them to the end because of when yeah. they pitted him um so oh and it led to leclerc making a really offensive comment on the radio having forgotten to switch his radio off did you know yeah. this yeah he so, um he, he he called it uh something along the lines of a joke didn't he he no it, it was it was the french it was basically the worst possible swear word or statement you can make in french like oh you, fair enough it's the, not what the, i thought it was and it was worse so than like what the, i thought yeah, it was the chap i work with who's um the he he does the highlights for the french translate for the french audience <laughs> um he sort of explained to me that it, yeah it was it's basically the worst possible thing you can say in french so it's like, it's basically it's, it's kind of like saying mother effer if you yeah. like, but like in a really bad way. So yeah, that's that, that's kind of a WTF moment. <laughs> Forgetting yeah. to turn your radio off before you start cursing. It was the funny team though because the worst they said to him language. radio off, radio off, and he was like, "Oh, that's yeah. embarrassing." <laughs> yeah, it was like that was awkward. And then they then yeah. they told him like then the engineer sort of misunderstood what he was talking about and said, "Oh no, yeah, we had to re, re <laughs> we had to refill the air," and it was like, "Oh no, I meant because I." didn't switch my radio I, off yeah i didn't switch the radio off and i just said what I was like, that, that wasn't very polite of me i mean that anyway, shows that they're just not really listening to them doesn't it i guess so yeah yeah because I mean, <laughs> to be fair there's a language barrier there because if he's swearing the worst possible swear word you can do in french and you know the, the guy who yeah. the engineer's native language is italian then he's probably not going to be quite clued up on his french french expletives so you can sort of True. let them off for that one, I guess. But it's funny. It's kind of, kind of a crazy, kind of a crazy moment, I guess. Should we just? Are we just stamping it as Ferrari, or are we stamping it as Ferrari plus Heineken? <laughs> I think let's keep it on track. Let's keep it on track. My boring rant about advertising probably doesn't deserve this that much airtime. So let's go. <laughs> um, Let's go Ferrari. Ferrari just being okay. being appalling all weekend. I think it's a pretty yeah. big WTF. Not not hugely unexpected this season, but I don't think we'd expect to see Vettel in last place in a practice session unless something yeah. was seriously seriously wrong with the car and it was just pace that in yeah. that session. So yeah, w, WTF for Ferrari big time there. Nice one. Uh, well, not nice one, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, right. We'll do predictions from this race. So. Um, it's a fairly high-scoring week all round, to be totally honest with you. 16 people scored four points, which was a high score. So that means 16 people were just one off a perfect weekend. Um, in terms of us here, um, Stu, you scored the best. You were one of those 16 people with four points. You, could, you got the double ham, you got the 17 finishes, you got the Gasly eighth. Yeah. Um, Chris was second out of the three of us. He got three points, the double ham and the 17 finishes. And I just got the two. I got the ham. My optimism for Verstappen with a Hamilton failure yeah. never came off, uh, and I got the random driver Gasly in eighth as well. Tom, it wasn't so. a terrible prediction, mate. That they were the race pace was there in the, in I mean, the Red Bull. Yeah, it was. It was where I thought it was going to be. Like I was trying to say last week that I think that they will they will not be anywhere near as bad as you would expect them to be at a circuit like Spa, and I think they proved me right to that degree. But it there, there wasn't the incident 
up front or the problem up front that I was kind of hoping for to get Verstappen a, yeah. a win there. But... Yeah, it was the problem behind that that ruined it for him. If anything, I think I think yeah. it would have been much closer without that accident. I think there would have been it would have been a much more interesting race if if that crash hadn't have happened. When well, yeah, I mean. The second they pitted on lap eleven, we talked about it before. Like everyone was going to the end on hards, weren't they? Yeah. Out of that front front pack. So. Yeah, which is why they need uh, softer compounds of tyres to mitigate against that. But anyway, sorry, we're yeah. trying to do it. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Um, Nathan Bailey overall leads the standings with fourteen points, uh, and then there's a whole gaggle of people behind him. Um, uh, Stu's in eighteenth place with eleven point five. So your high scoring weekend compared to me has. Put you in front of me by half yes. a point. I'm oh, 20th on the 11th. That's satisfying. That's very, Just, I mean, very pleasing. It's a lot closer than usual for us, isn't it? <laughs> it's really And close. we're somewhere near the front as well. Yeah. And we're so, like, we're not even that far into the season as well. And we're, we're managing to stick together. Usually by this yeah. point, we're sort of, someone's sort of running away with it. But yeah, it's yeah. really close. Um, you say that, and then there's Chris in 104th on seven points, but still. <laughs> We, we yeah. could have a competition. <laughs> you know what, though? Seven points, eight, nine, ten, eleven. He only needs a four-pointer and was for us to True. get a zero. And he's um, yeah, so he just needs one good so week. That, that's the beauty of this game. You can just you can yeah. move around so wildly just by having a really good week. And you win a prize if you get five right. Let's not forget exactly. that. Exactly. A prize for the overall season, Victor, and a prize for anyone that's five out of five. So Exactly. It's always so, worth entering, even if you've not been in it before. Um, yeah, let's look ahead to storylines. Yeah, let's do some Monza storylines. So, will Renault be able to capitalise again? They performed amazingly well in uh, in Belgium this weekend. Forgot where in the world the race was for a second there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think they will. I think Renault should be there or thereabouts again. I don't think they'll quite be. I don't think they'll be any closer to the Red Bull, but I don't think there'll be any further away. I think it'll probably... I think it's more of the same you can expect this weekend. Yeah. Essentially, by this question of can they capitalise, it's just can they make the most out of what appears to be a good car for high-power circuits? Yeah. Do you know what? Personally, I'm a bit surprised by that with it being the Renault engine because it's not been their forte of recent years, has it? But... I mean, no, I think they've well, just they've just got a good package in that car. I think yeah. they they got the setup spot on at Belgium, and they've got yeah. another opportunity to you know even lower downforce. Let's let's not forget they have a Monza spec car. Every team yeah. has a Monza spec car. The downforce is the downforce is so low for that track. So they could have just perfectly hit the sweet spot for that car in uh, Belgium or. There, there might be, there could be more to come from it in Monza. We just don't know. We just don't know until we get there. Friday practice, we'll we'll have an idea. Um, Ferrari, will Ferrari continue to struggle? It's an obvious one, but it's so relevant. They need to I do better. I can't see them getting out of it at the minute. It's the, the race has come too thick and fast in in quick succession. There's, you can't really. Well, there's there's no significant difference between this year's cars and last year's cars so i mean what what can they change what can they realistically do with it yeah it's it's a tough one again you know i'll come back to the sort of monza spec aero package like maybe there's something in that for them maybe the Mm. maybe just maybe they could 
find themselves moving much further forward because it's a it's a different kind of track. There's you don't have those really sort of fast flowing high downforce or good downforce yeah. generation requirements of Monza. It's very stop start, isn't it? You know, you've got the big stop at yeah. turn one and through the chicane through turn two, and then you've got the uh, what is it? Uh, Parabolica. Parabolica, yeah. The parabolic, so that's that's quite high downforce, but you need a good you need a good chassis to get you around there. Really, it's it's a chassis, low downforce, high power track. Yeah, um, high power. You know, not a not a Ferrari high power doth not make. Yeah, not at the minute. At the moment, the but you just don't. You just don't. It could have been a setup thing. It's hard to tell. It's really really hard to tell until we get to Monza. I'm just, um, just going to say I'm not in any way optimistic. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna preserve reserve preserve judgment. I'm gonna reserve judgment on it. I I don't okay. want to sort of throw them in the bin just yet. I I think if they're bad in Monza, then you know then they're gonna they are gonna struggle for the rest of the season because it just shows you that they they've got a slow car everywhere. You know where have yeah. they been fast? Really, they got a bit lucky in um, Austria with Leclerc. Leclerc dragged that car up to a position where it had no business being. Um, other than that, like they've just not been. They've just got slower and slower as the season's gone on. Yeah. Um, so next one: Will the engine mode restriction have any impact on the outcome of a power-dependent track like Monza? Um, We've kind of covered this one a little bit, haven't we, already early on? Yeah, we've. <sighs> I think I, it is I, I genuinely a weird thing. Yeah, but... I think it could make a difference. I think there's a possibility that qualifying could be leveled off and be much closer, and there's a there's potential for it to shuffle things around a little bit, maybe in the middle. Um. For, is it going to help Ferrari? Probably not. Is it going to help Red Bull? There's a chance. I think there's a good chance it could help Red Bull. Yeah, it's... I don't think Red Bull are, are, are using it too significantly at the minute, from what I can tell. Um, whereas it feels like Mercedes are. So, yes, it might take some of the quality pace out of Mercedes, but I don't think it'll be... I think it'll just make qualifying closer. I don't know if it'll necessarily necessarily shake up the order, but I mean, if anyone's going to take advantage of it, it's Max Verstappen. I think. Yeah, I think when you consider how close their race pace was, you know, there was only a tenth in the race pace, so yeah. uh, the last race. So, given that that gap is so teeny tiny, any big changes to engine modes are definitely going to have an impact on that gap. So. I I think Red Bull could be benefiting from it and Mercedes could find themselves sort of looking in their rearview mirrors a little bit more than they'd like after this. But, you know, who, again, who who am I to say? Like, <laughs> I could be completely wrong. It could benefit Mercedes. Just We just don't know. We're not engineers. Um, <laughs> the final one, can Racing Point yo-yo back up into a decent position? Racing Point have been up and down, up and down all season. Um they it feels like they should be doing better than they are um I, you know i alluded to it earlier when i said um uh, I, I would love to see vettel in that car because i think he would have got a podium by now 
I, yeah. I think there's to an extent the drivers are letting them down, but I also think there's probably an element of strategy letting them down. And I don't think that maybe that car's not quite the beast that everyone seemed to think it was in the first place. But um, it's like I said, again, if, if you're going to trace the setup, that's fine, but you need to trace the rest of the setups as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. I, I think there is, I think there's probably an element to that, that like what, what's essentially happened is that they've taken advantage of a relationship with Mercedes and, and obviously I think they've engineered their own parts based off something that they've seen and, and copied. But as we say so many times, there's no one silver bullet. Like it's given them a bit of a, a leg up at certain circuits where they've been able to run nearer the front, but it's mm-hmm. shown that it's not an out and out, just this will suddenly win you races because they've performed fairly averagely at a circuit that we normally see them doing quite all right at. Yeah, in yeah that's true. Yeah, you so, you would expect <clears throat> racing points to have gone. I, f- I thought they'd go much, much better yeah. than, they, than they did this weekend, but yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, like there's only so much manpower and there's only so much you can do. There's only so much of a car you can copy. And yeah. they seem to have sort of developed a percentage of that car and not the whole deal. So they've ended up in a situation where, yeah, like you say, they're, they're, they're not fast everywhere like Mercedes are. They're only, but when they are fast, they're very fast. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah. It's like they've, they've got a part of the package essentially. Yeah, it <laughs> will. The, the more the more interesting side again, going back to this sort of Monza spec downforce package, is I'm going to be interested to see what Racing Point bring. Whether it's going to be reminiscent of sort of last year's Mercedes uh, yeah. package at Monza, I mean, whether it or whether they'll have moved sort of maybe they've developed it further or maybe they've moved off in a slightly different direction for their low downforce package. So yeah. that's when I mean, we'll get more fairly of an idea. Skinny, of, isn't it for this? Yeah. We'll like, get more of an idea of just how much of that car they have copied. Cause yeah. it's, a, it, they look like different cars. If you really look at the cars, if you're new to Formula one, if you really look at these cars compared to a track, like say Silverstone or Hungary or Monaco, they, they have so little downforce on them that the the wings yeah. are just like oh, so trimmed down and really teeny tiny. They look very very different. So um, that's something to watch out for if you're new to the sport. Yeah, definitely. Um, we'll translate all this into some predictions somehow between us, <laughs> Stu. So, yeah. um, fastest in Q3. Um, I don't know how this engine thing is going to play out, but I'm gonna, just going to play safe in the meantime and say I'm going Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think the sensible thing to do is Hamilton. Yeah. I mean, it's where most people are scoring the points right now in predictions. Yeah. <laughs> so if we're both going ham, fastest Q3, that's fair enough. But where are you putting your bets on the win? Oh, Hamilton again. I think you and yeah, Hamilton. Let's, ha- let's have some easy points. Let's, let's go Hamilton. I mean, I tried to be optimistic for something yeah. to happen this weekend and it just didn't so I'm falling back into the suit and I'm just doing yeah. Hamilton as well. I think if you're not going Hamilton for fastest in Q3 and winning this game then you're sacrificing points needlessly at the moment Yeah, that's my theory on it Um, in terms of first DNF I mean you sometimes get a bit of a turn one coming together because it's a lot of cars running down into a fairly tight chicane these days with the size mm. of the cars so I'm just going to pluck a midfield name out and go for... Uh, I 
Daniel Kvyat. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good choice. Mine, I'm going to say... I'm going to... You know what? I'm going to be really sour grapes. And I'm going to say Charles Leclerc. I think Charles Leclerc is not going to be anywhere near the front, but he's going to be somewhere around that mid-pack and he's just it's all going to get yeah. a bit scruffy. Could well be. Could well be. Um, number of finishers... Um, I'll let you go first on this one, Jim. Yeah, so last race we had how many finishes, was it? We had 17 finishes. Well, yeah, 17 finishes overall, but one was a DNS. So, Okay, so I'm going to go I'm gonna go 17 again, Magic 17. Okay. I'm going to go one better. I'm going back to the optimism. I'm going 18. You see, 18. my prediction of 16 last week was purely based on the expectation of rain that never came. Hmm. Um, so I was surprised I got as close as I did <laughs> but yeah I'm going to go 18 for this one um, and then our random driver for this weekend is Kimi Raikkonen Ooh, um, interesting now this is this is tough I think um, so results of the yeah, last yeah I race. mean like, well at um, at Spa he was 12th Highest of mm. the Ferraris. Yeah, we. Um, oh yeah, of course. Oh, I don't think. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm struggling to see a points finish for a Ferrari-powered car at the minute. Yeah, I don't think I'll be in the points. It, it's a hard one because he's had a bit of really up and down season. I yeah. think I'm gonna go. I'll say thirteenth. Unlucky thirteen. Slightly more optimistic than me because I'm going 14. You're going 14. Okay, cool. And that's it for predictions. Yeah, we'll get Chris's off him at some point um, and put those in. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah. If, I actually if remembered. Wanted... I actually remembered to sub my, submit my predictions onto the website onto for the, the first website, time in a yeah. long time this weekend, which is so... which means I get awarded my points straight away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm impressed with how many people are still joining in um, at this yeah. point because there's. There's still a vast number of people not only joining in, but also scoring regular points. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it might only be one point, but they all add up when it comes to the end of the season. they do at the end of the season. So you can submit your predictions at backofthegrid.com. And yeah, like we've already said, there's a prize for anyone who gets a clean sweep. So that's all five correct. And there's a prize for the overall winner at the end of the season. Um, It's never too late to enter your predictions. It's always real good fun. And yeah, it gives you a reason to tune in every week as well. So. It's good for us. Indeed. Um, do, shall we do some inbox, Stu? We've got a few from this week's race. Let's do it. Let's do some. What we got first? We have got uh, Conceptus who asks, will Ferrari be worse or better at Monza compared to Spa considering the difference in layout of the track? Uh, hmm. I don't think there'll be that much different. I think if if I'm leaning towards slightly better because it's different aero package, I've got faith. Yeah, I'm gonna I, have some faith. And and you'd hope a team like Ferrari does not take finishing thirteenth and fourteenth lane down and and does whatever they can between yeah, now and next weekend to make a difference. So I would hope to see them improve, but honestly, I can still see them struggling to be in the points. Like they might be a little bit better, but. I mean, they, I think they're going to be scrapping over small points at best. Yeah, so. I, yeah, I, I'm I'm struggling to see them really much further forward than tenth. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that for that one. Uh, Liam says, with the Ferrari engine dramas and McLaren going to Mercedes in 2021, do you think it would be a good idea on both parties for Renault to try and get Haas to use Renault engines in the future? Haas would have to sort their sort their Ferrari partnership, but it's not realistic, right? Um, I, I mean, know. Gene Haas can't be happy with how that car performs at the minute for the last couple of seasons. He's a guy that goes racing in multiple disciplines and, I mean, he won't like his name being... <laughs> Um, one that runs around at the back. Really. No, of course. Um, but I think the, the 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 real question underneath all this is how much of the really they've already got a really really strong relationship with Ferrari. They're basically running last year's Ferrari as well, but just you can't see yeah. it as well, and they're not performing as well as the racing points. So there's less fuss about it. Um, are they going to go and try and do that with Renault? Are Renault going to want to do that? Do you want to be last year's Renault? Probably not. So I mean, the, the other thing would be is, as of McLaren leaving for Mercedes next season, Renault do not have a customer team. Now, mm. I mean, do they? Are they? Is this intentional on their part? Are they letting that letting that happen so that they can focus? as much resource as possible to new regulation changes and come out as like one of the strongest factory teams, if not the strongest factory team, because their sole focus has been themselves and not providing for customers. It could mm. be an intentional move. Like they might not want a customer team right now because of the situation we're in. It's entirely yeah. possible. Mm. Well, I think, you know, I think McLaren going to, going to Renault in the first place was never a good idea. It was, it was a stopgap. I yeah, think. <laughs> it was a stopgap. They wanted the Mercedes, but they didn't want to stay with Honda long enough to get it. So they had to stop over at Renault, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were, I mean, they, Renault came and saved the day because they didn't have an engine without yeah. Renault. They were left without a choice. They had to take Renault yeah. engines because Ferrari were about to give McLaren an engine. And no probably McLaren were about to take a engine off Ferrari. Can you imagine how weird would that sound? McLaren-Ferrari yeah. would just sound wrong, wouldn't it? So um, <laughs> it'd be so weird, McLaren Ferrari. It'd be like yeah. having four thumbs or something like that. It'd be strange. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I I can't really see them going any. If anything, I think they'd leave F one before they leave before they leave Ferrari because they they've got such a strong partnership with them. They're like I've already said, they're building another. They're building a mini Ferrari. So. They're just going to have to stay with well, them. I mean, I know it doesn't necessarily mean a huge amount. They're still able to leave, but being in the Concord Agreement technically has you in the sport for the next five years, is it? Yeah, it does. It's, but, it's, it's a soft agreement to five years in the sport, isn't it, realistically? Yeah, but a soft agreement. I, I know you F1, don't have to do that, but. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. it doesn't really mean an awful lot other than it, yeah. it's, it's, it's a way of like arranging the nuptials of the F1 teams, if yeah. you like. That's that's really more what the Concord Agreement is about. It's not about retaining teams. If a team's going under, then the t that team oh, will yeah. disappear. We saw it with Force India, you know, when they became Racing Point. Like, yeah, the team yeah. technically didn't disappear, but the Force India name went and they were, you know, they were part of the Concord Agreement. So yeah. the old, well, the current Concord Agreement, if you like. So, you know, it's... 
yeah, it just I don't think the Concord Agreement has much of a bearing on like if a team's insolvent and it's incapable of running, then you know they're not exactly going to get they're not going to get very far trying to find a team that's got no money, are they? No, no, not at all. Uh, Wesley Paul says uh, Ricardo's gained a fourth place and a fastest lap. Uh, Science, despite exhaust problems, is in a car showing a lot of promise. How much are those two both second guessing their moves for next season? Yeah. <laughs> Quite a lot, you'd think, you'd think right now. Yeah, I guess science probably is the most. Yeah, science. I is. mean, I've I've seen some interviews with science, and he's he's doing the diplomatic thing of look, I'm not, I'm not here to just expect to win next season. I'm here for the long haul. Like I want to be a Ferrari driver, and I, I want to do well with Ferrari long term, and I don't expect us to suddenly overturn any problems just by me turning up next season so i mean he's doing the diplomatic thing but he's got to be slightly disappointed that that car is where it is this season hasn't he yeah i think so <laughs> um yeah you, you're sitting sort of in the mclaren motorhome looking out to ferrari and probably feeling a bit just I, I guess your stomach's sinking a little bit, isn't it? You're a bit like, oh yeah. god, why have I, why have I done this? <laughs> kind of thing. I mean, there, for all we know, 2021, it could come out the blocks like top car, and it it could be winning races left, right, and centre. We you can't predict that it yet. Could. It's it's a good time for this to be happening because it means that they're just going to sink everything now into the 2021 car. So yeah. he's going to be in the right place in 2021. I've no doubt about that. The, this is the advantage of him going next 2022, year. I think. 2022, uh, sorry, I 2022. Say. Sorry, I keep saying 2021 myself. Yeah, I do as well. This episode. I uh, it's because that's when it should have happened, isn't it? That's yeah, why. Exactly. <laughs> should have happened next season. So, to, in my head, they're the 2021 rules. Um, but we'll, yeah, just, think... we'll just not count 2020. 2020 is <laughs> not a real year, it's a fake year. Yeah, it's, it's all a big troll. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. The key thing is that he's there next season whilst they're still developing that, that next iteration of car and he can actually work with Charles rather than turning up to a team that's been... But like, Don't get me wrong, Ferrari will most likely lean that car toward Charles's preference because he's going to be a lead driver, you'd expect. But at least Carlos will be there and have some form of input into that or at least be able to, I know, worst case, like adapt to what differences in the car that is isn't necessarily always his preference like he's part of that infrastructure now rather than him turning up day one the car's already been put together and he's stuck with whatever it is i mean at least he can have some form of input to it at the minute mm-hmm. exactly yeah. um molly asks how do you rate alban's performance at spa that's good i've forgotten to mention alban um, um i think it did all right yeah, I, I think he got screwed a little bit by tyres um, during the pit stop phase behind the safety car. He went to the the medium rather than the hard, like yeah. everybody else. So he started on the soft and then went to the medium. Whether they were, were whether they were trying to play an alternate strategy, either get data on the medium from Albon or playing for the rain to come later on and get him off those mediums, I don't know. But I think to bring it home on those without having to stop again and be ahead of everything other than those two Renaults that we know were um, quite significant this weekend. I think he's done all right. Yeah, um, I think in qualifying it was a bit better as well. Through Q1 yeah. and Q2, he, there wasn't really an awful lot 
in it between him and uh, Verstappen. It was only in Q3 where Verstappen found that extra bit of uh, bit of something where he pulled out about roughly just under five temps on on Albon, which is I guess roughly where they were towards the end of last season. So I mean, it's better than it has been recently. It's been sort of creeping up to the sort of six, seven, eight temps sort of range but yeah he's sort of getting he seems to be getting back on top of things Albon and yeah he finished well what was his result again he finished it was sixth um, behind the sixth, wasn't it yeah so, so you know not where he should be he should be in fourth obviously but yeah I would say he's improving yeah I, I think considering strategy choices as well that were made for him mm. um Obviously, massively favouring Max, and, and to be to be fair, we could have been talking about a different story if um, the the conditions had changed for him to get off those mediums. We could be talking about a different position, yeah, totally. finishing a different performance. But I think, given his circumstances, he's done all right. What what I'm happy to see is like we've talked about it a couple of times where early in the race he tends to go backwards sometimes through no fault of his own but he tends to end up falling through the field early on and then having to put in these drives to get back through the field to get to somewhere of a normal finishing position for himself yeah. and it is we've been saying he's had these like really good second half of the races but he's put himself in that position because he's had a poor first half of the race for for whatever reason and i think this weekend there was none of that it was just a straight decent performance from him and he was just unlucky with the way the um, strategy calls went yeah. uh, like they went against him unfortunately yeah I agree with that so, yeah and then last one for this week uh, Philip Mays says can you explain a bit about super license systems uh, does it make it impossible for drivers to come to F1 from other types of racing and do drivers have to work their way up through support categories to get into F1 oh that's a good one I mean <laughs> In in short, in terms of the point system, the most lucrative series to score points in for your super license is Formula Two, yeah, IndyCar, and then Formula Three and Formula E after that. So like the basically the other major open wheel, yeah, World Endurance as well, World Endurance. World World Endurance is good for points. Um, that's probably about as significant as Formula E and Formula Three, I think, in terms of points. Or there or thereabouts, anyway. Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, just about a teeny bit. Well, it depends su- on the position, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Super Formula is pretty good for points, which is why you sometimes see Red Bull sending younger drivers across the Super Formula because you can score a decent amount of points if there isn't a position for you in in such as like F3 or F2, things like that. So you do occasionally see drivers from the Red Bull program go across to Japan to do that. Um and then it, your sports car racing tends to come somewhere underneath all that, I guess, doesn't it? Like um, GTs and DTMs and I'm trying to think what else is yeah. covered. Uh, touring cars, world touring cars, yeah, you, you uh, can Indy even, Lights. Yeah, you, you can get points in stuff like NASCAR and things as well. And Yeah, there's even karting championships. The world, the world yeah. Karting Championship, you can get, you know, you get four super license points for winning the senior world karting championship. So, yeah. You know, the top 4 in that get 4 free 2 and 1 point each. Um what else? Formula Mazda. Um nice. Toyota Racing Series. There's there's a few like sort of manufacturer series that that get you on the on yeah, the ladder. And, and bearing in mind as far as I know to have the super license um 
requirements for Formula One. You just need 40 points over the course of three seasons. So realistically, you could go into Formula Two or IndyCar, win or come quite high in that <laughs> in one season, and you've got enough points to get into Formula One, technically speaking. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to so, be pretty bloody good. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You, you mean, I mean, you'd likely to have accumulated points much earlier than that if you're jumping into a series like that and winning stuff. Um, but I, I guess the reason that those points probably, uh, sorry, those series probably yield the most points is because A, they're the most competitive in that, well, it's because they're the most competitive open wheel series outside of Formula One. And I think that's that's what they want significantly. I think the reason your sports car racing and things don't um, probably don't score quite as highly on the, the super license point scheme is because they're looking more at open wheel racing because ultimately you're driving an F1 car, aren't you? Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, a, different, think... it's a different caliber of... Well, it's, a, it's not a different caliber, should I say. It's a different... It's a different way of driving, isn't it? You, you've yeah. got to drive an open wheel car very differently to you would a sports car, I think. Yeah, I do think though that the weighting of it is sort of designed to reflect the competitiveness of of the championship. So when you yeah. look at something like IndyCar series, you know you get the maximum points from that, just like you do with F two, because it's a very very competitive series. So. Yeah. If, if you can perform in there and you're doing very similar racing, like it's similar probably in spec to on, on a circuit, it's similar in spec to an F2 car probably. They're not quite as quick as an F1 car because they're all on a shared aero package. But, yeah, you know, you, you, you're getting that same kind of level of competition. You know, it's, it's very difficult to win a race in both of those series. So, therefore, the merit of doing so reflects that. But in the number of points you get for for yeah. winning the world champion for winning that championship, I, I think does that explain it? Do you two think? different, yeah, I think that's fair, and I think that there's two different kinds of drivers. I guess like some drivers much prefer sports cars and aren't really actually that interested in open wheel and F one. Like, oh, all right, given the chance to do it, they probably wouldn't turn it down. But it's not their end goal. Then they don't strive to be an F1 driver and then vice versa. Like some drivers will step away from F1 and everyone expects, Oh, they're going to go do Le Mans and do this and do that. And some drivers just aren't interested in sports car racing. Like it's, they are quite, although they're both more categories of motorsport, they're quite separate worlds, aren't they? And just because you like one, you don't necessarily like the other, I guess. So mm. it probably is weighted much more towards the drivers that are, that are picking those open wheels. Yeah, it is. Well, you need they're to more finish... likely to be aiming for a super license in the first place. Yeah, would, exactly. And and in order to get the license, once you've got the points, you still need to have done eighty percent of two full seasons of any single seat championship supported yeah. in a, 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 in a part of the regulation. So there's a list of championships that you need to have uh, have taken part in. Yeah, so you, just... so you couldn't just rock up having you know gathered enough points from racing world endurance champion, LMP two cars around Le Mans, yeah. for example. Yeah, very true. Yeah, I think we covered that. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Any more questions? Send them. You know where to send them. Uh, but yeah, in seriousness, if you do want to get in touch with us about uh, anything or ask questions for the show, uh, you can find us on Twitter. It's Back of the Grid F one. 
find us on Instagram at Back of the Grid, and you can find us on Facebook by just searching for Back of the Grid. Uh, you can also find us at backofthegrid.com, where, as we mentioned earlier, you can enter the predictions league, so it's never too late to join in with that. Uh, and there's also like a contact us form on there where you can drop a message if you're not on any of the social media outlets. Um, that is it from us for this week. So we say enjoy your Monza weekend, and we'll be back next week to break it all down and look ahead to Magello. Bye, everyone. Goodbye.